0: Good morning, good morning, good morning. Are you guys a little thrown off today? I know the time changed and everything, but you know what? I'm glad you're here. You're here for a reason. Um, Quick thing, we have changed the Connects form into a connection card. Um, We do still have the prayer request. It's just on the back. I know, obviously, I see a lot of people, you guys are usually here every Sunday, so you don't have to fill out this front part. But you're more than welcome to fill out the prayer request. Um, nothing You can still turn into the, the tithing buckets. It hasn't changed, all right? Um, but if you are new or you see someone new and you've been here before, please let them know that they can fill this out, just their information, turn it in, into the Welcome Center desk right in our um, foyer. And we would love to give you a gift just to say thank you for coming, um, and we hope to to bring you back right all right so thank you again for coming out i'm super excited let's give a round of applause for jesus yes <laughs> clap it sorry, i said jesus we praise jesus clap it for him
1: amen amen how many of you are excited to praise and worship the lord today yes. how many of you have been waiting all week to come and praise and worship today Oh, well, shame! Do you know you can you can praise and worship Him every day? You do not have to wait till Sunday. Sunday should just be a follow-up and a continuation of what we do every week. Amen. All right, church, we have our faith statement that we say over ourselves, over our lives, over our family, and if you will stand with me today as we prepare for to read our faith statement. Okay, you can join in with me. We are sword-drawn, word-ready, purpose-filled. We will not be denied. And in Jesus' name, we will do everything. Not somehow, but triumphantly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We also have the opportunity for you to give your tithes and offerings. There are baskets located here in the front. Whenever you feel so led, you can bring your offering and put them in the basket. We do not have a specified offering time, so you'll just come up whenever you're ready and put your offering in the basket. Well, part of that is we also have a faith statement because you know what? We believe God for everything. We believe God for our homes and for our salvations, but we also believe God for our finances because what we have in our finances has been provided by who? Amen, amen. So let's say our faith statement over our offering today. We, as we receive today's offering, we are believing the Lord for jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions favorable settlements estates and inheritances interest and income rebates and returns checks in the mail gifts and surprises finding money debts paid off expenses decrease blessing and increase thank you lord for meeting all of my financial needs that I may have more than enough to give into the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, at church, I was reading in Second Chronicles in the battle that Jehoshaphat had and all that was coming against him. And we have been speaking from this pulpit. We have been singing out of our praise. Pastor Michelle has been announcing the weapons of war. First of all, we are empowered by the love of Christ, right? The weapons of war that he has provided us is what? Praise Praise and worship. Well, I don't know how many people remember the story of Jehoshaphat. He was the king and he had gotten news that all these other kingdoms were coming against him. They bringing their men and they were going to fight and these happened to be the kingdoms that they did not overpower when they first came into the land so he gets this news and he's very scared he's very upset and the first thing he does is seek the Lord he calls a fast and he seeks the Lord and if you read his prayer in there he basically says Lord are you not the all-powerful God Lord, are you not the one who delivered us out of the hands of the Egyptians?" So he reminded himself, because he wasn't reminding God who he was. He was reminding him who, he, who God was to him and what God had done. So he calls forth the people, he prays, and the Lord speaks to him and says, guess what? You just need to show up. So I'm going to pick up in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 20, verse 13. Now, all Judea, with their little ones, their wives, and their children, stood before the Lord. Who showed up? Everybody. Everybody. The wives, the children. They didn't find babysitters. They didn't leave them at home with their aunts and uncles and grandmas and cousins. They brought the kids with them. Everybody showed up. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Matinah, the Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. And he said, Listen, all of you, Judea, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude for the battle is not yours, but God's. Church, so many times we try to battle, so many times we try to do it on our own, and God's just said, look, I've already taken care of it. The battle's not yours. But they had something to do. Tomorrow, go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook, before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand and see the salvation of the Lord, who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites of the children of Kohathites and all of the children of the Korites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. They didn't say, thank you, Jesus. That was really good. Praise you, Lord.
2: Hallelujah.
1: How do they shout? loud and high. Church, can we shout loud and high in here? Let me hear you, hallelujah. Amen, amen. So they rose early in the morning and went into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, hear me, O Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. I'm telling you church today, Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord, and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. They weren't walking on their hands and knees. They weren't crawling. They were dancing and shouting, praise the Lord. This praise here is a yada praise, and that's a praise of thanksgiving, because they knew God was already going to take care of everything. Now, now, when they began to sing, listen to this, when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon. Moab and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end to the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. Y'all, the God we serve today is that same God the only thing God is asking us to do is show up. To put your hand to the plow and use the weapons of war that he has given you. Your praise and your worship. And if you can't do anything else in here today, if you come in here with a downtrodden spirit, you're depressed, or everything's battling against you, you know what, put it aside. You determine today, right now in your heart and mind that you're going to praise the Lord. You're gonna worship the Lord. And how are we gonna worship? Loud and high, amen? And watch God what he does for you, amen? Amen.
3: Come on, I wanna invite everybody to come up front like we've been doing. Come on, there's are in numbers because I want us to worship today like the battle's over, amen? Come on, what do you need this morning? Here we go. Come on, Houston worthy. He is able. Amen. Come on, let's sing it. Come on, there's a praise. Here we go. There's a praise. look at three people and say, he alone deserves the glory. Come on, say it right out loud. He alone deserves.
4: that good good morning everybody now I forgot to ask this but who is doing children's church this morning Miss Marty are you doing yes all right children's church is now dismissed if you will go to Miss Marty in the red sweater Miss Marty can you hold up your hand and wave thank you sweater uh Bradley will you pull up my powerpoint for today sir Look at that. Oh wow, look at this children. Oh yeah, the, the music production for Christmas, if you are in that, um, teenagers as well, please go meet back there as you guys are practicing for the Christmas production. Alrighty. All right, will you guys pray with me before we get started this morning? King Jesus, we just thank you for that time of worship, to bask in your love, to bask in your goodness and your kindness. And your mercy and King Jesus, I just pray if that if anyone came in here empty today, after that worship session, they were filled, filled with love to carry on, filled with love to fight another day, Lord God, because you are worth it and you pour out your love upon your children. And King Jesus, I just pray as we continue in this thought of union with you, that you would continue to change lives and change hearts. Speak through me today, King Jesus, as you are doing something radical in my own heart. Some days I don't even recognize myself because the way you're changing me. So, Jesus, thank you for who you are. Jesus, thank you for what you're doing in this church. In my heart for people, King Jesus, it's all about you. It's always been all about you, and it will always be about you, King Jesus. You are more than enough. We thank you for this day. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, But before we get started, I have some phenomenal news. Chrissy, will you stand up just real quick? Y'all, Chrissy gave her heart to Jesus this week. Hey, y'all better get excited. Hey, stand up, y'all. We are her church family. I know y'all ain't sitting down. We better stand up. Praise God, because all of heaven is having a party. Come on now. Chrissy, we love you. Hey, we love you. We are here for you. All right. We're your family. We love you. Praise God. Is that not what all this is about? Yeah. What is the point of coming to church services and just doing church if no one is meeting Jesus? That, that's the whole point to any of this. Chrissy, seriously, we love you. And Kevin, we love you. And we are so happy and thrilled for this. We, we can't wait to see what's going to happen through this. Praise God. So as you guys know, we've, we've been following this thought of union, right? This revelation of union with Jesus. And like I said before, one of the greatest strengths of the Christian faith is repetition. Okay, it's repetition. And like I said, Paul wrote in his Pauline epistles, 164 times he wrote this in Christ Jesus. And when I said if something's repeated, it must be what? It must be important. Thank you. Mr. Kenny, he, he gets a gold star today. He listens. It must be important, right? If it's repeated multiple times. So we're going to do a little recap over the past two weeks, and we're just going to get into this. Union means oneness with Jesus, all right? So we are not just in a personal relationship with Jesus. When we identify with the death and resurrection of Christ, Galatians 2.20 tells us that it is no longer you who lives, but Christ who lives where? What, what is that key word? In. In. Union. Oneness. Oneness. And one of the most revolutionary things about this, for those of us who grew up in church thinking, you know, we got to do our best to please God, wanting to be good enough for Him, is the fact that you cannot get any closer to God than you are right now. You can just grow in your awareness of His nearness. Ephesians 2:13 says, "To those who are in Christ Jesus, who were once far off, who were once distant from Him, have been brought near by the blood of Jesus." That word near, I'm going to keep saying this over and over again, is ingius in the Greek, which means as close as you can be in space and in time. Oh, there's my baby. <laughs> Hello, man. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> you, and listen, and you cannot be, listen, you cannot be any closer to God than anyone else is. Romans 2.11 and Galatians 2.6 tells us that in God, there is no partiality. And in God, there is no favoritism. We simply grow in our awareness of his nearness. In this Christian faith, I told you that Galatians chapter 3, verses 2 through 3 had wrecked me because what does it say? It says, Oh, you foolish Galatians, having begun in the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? And when I tell you guys, no, that's not possible. We weren't even capable of starting the work to begin with. So, how are we going to perfect it? It's not possible. It's all through the Spirit working in us. We are the bride of Christ. What does that mean? We're married to Jesus. There's a union. There's a covenant. And I told you guys, in the American church, we can put out that phrase, which there's nothing wrong with this. This is not a bad place to start. We can say, you have a personal relationship with Jesus. But I have a personal relationship with all of you. But I have union with one. So you guys are not affected by every single decision I make. Guess who is affected by every single decision I make? My wife. There's a covenant there. And I told you guys, let's not keep Jesus in the friend zone. Because he is standing there waiting for us to become his bride while we're standing off to the side saying, No, nah, Jesus, I think I'll keep you at a distance. We are the bride of Christ. It's not about personal relationship. It's about Union, And this is what messed me up more than anything. Proximity to God. Listen, proximity to God, nearness to God is not a pursuit. It's a promise. Amen, little man. Amen. Amen. Proximity Amen. to God, nearness to God is not a pursuit. There's nothing you could do to get closer. Do you understand that? There's, you can't read your Bible enough. You can't pray enough. You can't go church to church enough. It's a promise from a loving, heavenly father that when you are a child, he means just that. You are his child. Thankfully, I grew up with amazing parents. Actually, y'all, my mama's here today. What's up, mama? it yeah. been a while, but I grew up with very loving parents. So for me, I understood that being a child, I did not have to deserve my mother's love. I did not have to deserve my father's love. Actually, they loved me when I was completely unlovable. And she probably will say amen to that. Amen? (laughs) Because I was a hot mess growing up. But listen, the Father loves you. Can I tell you that today? The Father loves you. And there's nothing you have to do or nothing you have to accomplish. Listen, you don't have to have a trophy to make him proud. He already loves you. You don't have to achieve. You don't have to strive. You are loved by a Heavenly Father who loves with an unconditional love. Last week, we dealt with complete forgiveness, which we've all heard in the church But I heard from some of you this week that that has truly set you free. And praise God. Because this man has been walking free. And I told you all I have been more free in the past month now than I have been in my entire life. Because not only am I reading to learn, I'm reading to live. And it's getting inside my very being. So what did we deal with? You have been completely forgiven, past, present, and future. So while all of our sins were on the cross with Jesus, where were all of our sins? In the future. Oh, there's a pat pat. Is that for my child? Of course. <laughs> L- leave it to my rebel baby. Um, <laughs> but all your sins were already in the future. So what, is that? What, what did Hebrews tell us? That Christ gave one sacrifice for all of eternity. It said for how long? Forever. It said for forever the sacrifice remains, forever it stands. The blood of Jesus cleanses us of our sins. So what does that mean? Our sins are not hidden, right? Our sins are not covered and boom, uncovered, covered and uncovered. It erases our sins, completely erases. Listen, we so often when we do mess up, we go to God and we try to remind him of something he's already forgot about. So, Lolly, oh God, I'm so sorry, God, I can't believe I did that. And God's saying, Son, daughter, what are you talking about? What, what are you talking about? Mm. Yeah. Listen, we talked about Jesus was always God's plan A. So, what does that tell us? From the foundations of the earth, God knew what we were gonna be, and he still loved us. Yeah. Jesus was always God's plan A, not his plan B, not his plan C. Adam and Eve did not take God by surprise. It was always Jesus. It will always be Jesus. We talked about how our sin consciousness starts to what? Dissolve. Right? And so we talked about how in Hebrews, when they would constantly have to sacrifice for their sins, what did it always make them have? Sin consciousness. Why? Because they were always looking at their sin, and they were always preparing the next sacrifice for their sin. But in Christ Jesus... If we are completely forgiven past, present, and future, what do we not even have to look at anymore? Your sin. So when your consciousness of sin is diverted to Jesus, what happens to that consciousness? It grows smaller and smaller and smaller. And when we're constantly telling ourselves not to commit a specific sin, what do we do? We commit that sin. Why? Because instead of focusing on Jesus, we focus on the sin. So we're drawn to it, and it's this is ever flow of the spirit and the soul constantly fighting. The spirit wanting to please God and the soul wanting to please the flesh. Hmm. Listen, you are free from sin. <gasps> what? No, listen, you are free from sin. Sin has no more power. Scripture clearly tells us that the power of sin was abolished on the cross. The only power sin now has is, this, is the power you give to it. Sin can only have power when you tell your sin to have power, when you allow your sin to have power. We even talked about Galatians chapter 5, verse 24, that says you you can crucify your passions and your desires on the same cross that Christ died on. Oh, but pastor, I've been struggling for years. Give it to Jesus. Oh, but pastor, I failed and failed again. Give it to Jesus. Well, pastor, I don't feel forgiven. I don't feel like a lot of things majority of the time. Some days I don't feel like being your pastor. Oh, oh my goodness. Can I tell you that feelings are fickle? Your feelings change day by day. But the truth of God remains forever. He never changes his word. I recommend you stand on the truth of God and not on your own feelings. You are freed. You are forgiven. You are a child of God, whether you feel like it or not. Who's greater, the condemnation in your heart or the God of the universe? He's greater. Mr. Kenny came up to me on Wednesday night. He said, y'all, I learned something on Sunday. I can tell the devil to shut up. I said, yes, brother, you you sure can. Because the the accusing voice of condemnation, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. All those who are in Christ Jesus are free from condemnation. The voice of condemnation, that voice that tells you you are unworthy... That voice tells you that you are un- undeemed, un- unfit to, to work in the ministry of Christ. That same voice that tells you you are going to burn for what you've done. Guess what Jesus told it to do on the cross? Shut up. And next time that voice is whispering in your ear, tell it to shut up. Because guess what? Jesus told me I'm free. Say it nice and loud. Yeah, I'm saying it nice and loud, Brother Kenny. Because Jesus has told you you are free. And who is greater, your sin or Jesus Christ? Listen, Jesus is greater than Adam and has restored everything Adam lost and corrupted through sin. Remember how last week I told you, stop giving Adam so much credit. He ate a fruit. Get over it, right? It's time to move on. Guess what? When Christ died on the cross, we don't have to struggle in the same things of Adam anymore. What does Scripture tell us? It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. But more than this, the old has passed away, and I'm a new creation. Who? In Christ Jesus. Whether you feel new or not, that sacrifice on the cross, when you accepted the love and mercy of Jesus, when you accepted him as your Lord and Savior, amen, Chrissy, when you accepted him as your Lord and Savior, you were made new. Chrissy, you're a new woman. You're not the same as you were two weeks ago. Amen. Praise God in Christ Jesus, whether you feel like it yet or not, he's told you so. Who are we going to believe? Mm, y'all, y'all got me preaching already. <laughs> I said last week, don't cheat on Jesus with Moses. What do I mean by that? We have a lot to learn from the Old Testament. Was it say? Learn from history or it will repeat itself. Okay, yeah, that's good. But we are living in the new covenant. Who are you modeling your life after? Moses or Jesus? I don't want to model my life after Moses. He had to live according to the law. I want to model my life after Jesus. Freedom. Love, joy, mercy, and grace. Stop mixing. Stop living in the old covenant. Stop mixing. We are a new covenant people. You don't have to earn it. You never could earn it. That's the beauty of the gospel. The too good to be true good news of Jesus. That is actually true. You could never earn it. You could never deserve it. But Jesus died for you. Seth, Jesus died for you. Sin has no more power. It has no more power. And I've been living as a free man. Why? Because that sin consciousness where I was so distraught over my sin, when I truly stepped into that revelation, it's already been forgiven. Guess what I stopped focusing on? I stopped focusing on my sin and I started focusing on the cross. Lord Jesus. Mm. Alright, y'all. We we are following in this same thought once again. I have my thought board, right? We're just kind of working off of that. If you want to take a picture after, that's great. I already took a picture on my iPad, which has great picture quality, and I will post it on Facebook later. So if you want it that way, that's fine. Once again, like I've been saying the past three weeks, if you don't hear one word I say, write down every scripture you see. All of these scriptures that, that are on my PowerPoint, that's all my PowerPoint is. It's scripture. Because while I can lead you and to, to the revelation itself, you digging into the scriptures is, when, is, is what's going to carry you on. Right? So I, who, who has been reading the scriptures this week I've been giving? Anybody? Raise of hands. Interact with me. Okay, three people. Awesome. Hey, I'll take what I can get at this point. <laughs> take what I can get at this point. Um, the world we live in is very divisive right now. It's very divided. Hate runs rampant. Even in the church. Can I say that? Can I say that, that, that the church in this day and age has, a, has become more affiliated with a political party than they have Jesus? If, if I'm being honest. <laughs> can, I, can I say that? Or y'all, I probably made some of y'all uncomfortable, but it's true. And so while we are called to look like Christ, we look more like a donkey or an elephant. Last time I checked, we're not donkeys or elephantians, we're Christians. Oh, man, I got to be careful. (laughs) And so while while I was praying, because I I was just going to deal with living by the Spirit, but the Spirit himself put something very specific in my heart. And it's this right here. Loving by his Spirit a more excellent way. A more excellent way. Loving by his Spirit. We are one Spirit with Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17 says, to those who are joined with Christ Jesus have become one spirit with Christ Jesus. How much closer can you be than being one spirit with somebody? You can't, you can't be any closer than that. So through this, we have to understand a couple of things. And so, you know, I was thinking to myself, Jesus, if I had the same spirit as you, let let me track your life, okay? So let, let me read the gospels. Let me track your life. And what did you do when the Holy Spirit came upon you, right? Because Jesus was walking, God and man. He was walking 30 years. And when that 30-year mark hit, he went to John the Baptist and he was baptized, right? So when he was baptized, the Holy Spirit descends upon him and it says, A dove, okay, the Holy Spirit, right? Looked like a dove, abode on his shoulder, which means he was abiding with him. And so why did this happen? I was like, Lord Jesus, obviously, listen, well, what are some things that Jesus did? Healed the sick. You can name them. Opened the eyes of the blind. Made the deaf to hear, the mute to speak. Cast out demons. Those are amazing, right? But why did Jesus really come? To save people. But to show the love of a heavenly father. The world that Jesus stepped into did not have a personal God. The Jews saw God as far off. The Jews thought they had to please this distant God who could never love them, who could never know what it was like to be a human being. That's the God they were worshiping. That's the God they were following. But John 3, 16 to 17 tells us this. For God so what? Loved the world that he gave his only unique begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But sometimes we forget to go to verse 17 because us Christians like to condemn people all the time. You want to know why? Because we see our sin and attribute it to other people. What does verse 17 say? For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So when the Spirit comes upon Jesus, where does he start? He starts his ministry. He was not only healing people, He was not only casting out demons and laying the deaf here and cleansing lepers. He was showing the love of the father to his children. And so so I followed in this track of thought. And so Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commands. He didn't say if you strive hard enough, you'll keep my commands. Because Jesus knew that those who were going to follow him were going to follow him out of love. Because it was going to be hard to follow him. So in order to follow him, you had to love him. Jesus is is approached by Pharisees and Sadducees and they say, Jesus, what are the greatest commandments? So Jesus responds and says, the two greatest commands are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind and all your soul and all your strength. And what's the second thing he says? And love people as, as you love yourself. And so what are the two greatest commandments according to Jesus? Love God, love people. Well, what's the common denominator here? Love. It's love. It's always been love. Mm. He goes on to say to his disciples that people will know you by the way you love one another. Can I ask you, can, do people know you by the way you love one another? Can you, if we were to take an honest look at the modern church, could we say the outside world knows us as a people of love? Y'all, did you know there are 45,000 different denominations in America? So do you know what that tells me? We have a fight, we don't love each other, so we divide. We don't fight, so we don't love each other, so we divide. Did you know out of those 45,000 denominations, there's only about 10 different, different theological views? There, there's only about 10 different theological views. But there's 45,000 denominations. So what does that tell you? It wasn't over theological debate that we split. We didn't love one another enough to make it work. Jesus taught his disciples and the multitude during his Sermon on the Mount to what? Listen, to love all people, even those who hate you, use you, persecute, and abuse you. So Jesus wasn't just sitting To his disciples, he spoke this to a multitude and said, you are to love those who hate you. You are to pray for those who persecute you. And this love he's talking about is agape love. What is agape love? Well, it's the love of a heavenly father to humanity. It's an unconditional goodwill and charity towards humanity. It's the love of Christ towards humanity. The way the world loves, who has heard this? Love is love right? Love is love. It's, it's an agenda that's being pushed. But that love, according to the Greek, is a, is a word called eros. It's an erotic, sexual, perverted love. It's a self-love. So the world is saying love is love. Yeah, we believe in love. But the problem is we're not defining what does this love mean. The Greek, the Greek language actually has eight words for love, right? That, that, that's pretty expansive to talk about all the different forms of love. But this love right here is agape love. This feat of agape love, this, this crazy achievement of agape love is not possible without the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you? you can, my mother's here to testify. I was usually the most ruthless, unmerciful person you would ever meet. I didn't let anybody catch a break, man. You messed up. I cut you off. Why? Because I did not have the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit as Christ dwelling within me. I was led by the flesh. When you are led by the flesh, you cannot love with agape love. Why? Because that same spirit that rose Christ Jesus from the dead that now lives in you is what empowers you to love people the way Jesus does. The Holy Spirit empowers us to love all people, guess what? The way Jesus does. You can love people the way Jesus loves people. Why? Because his very spirit has become one with your very spirit. And what I tell you about Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. When you are yoked with Christ, when you come and you are yoked with Christ, the strength of the stronger becomes the strength of the weaker. So while you're telling yourself, I could never love that way. I can't love that person. Look what they did. I can't love that person. Look what they believe about politics. I can't. I'm not getting that. Look, I could never love that person. Well, guess what? You can't. But guess who can? The Jesus who lives inside of you can love that person. That coworker who you just want to smack upside the big old head, that person you want to smack, you can love that person. What? That family member who hurt you, who abused you and used you, guess what? You can love that person. Let's get into some scripture today. We actually have quite a few. Um, I know I got, how dare we read the Bible in church? How dare we? 1 John, write this down. 1 John chapter 3, verses 10 through 15. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. This is New King James, by the way, all of it. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. Read that, read that second. Read that second category for me, though. Read it. Nor, y'all going to read? So how do we know if you're a child of God? Well what, well, what does it say? Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. Read that one more time. I love how the Scripture doesn't even need anything added to it, right? For this is the message that you heard from the beginning. Finish that for me. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life. How do we know? Read that for me. Oh my goodness, pause. How do we know if if we have, if we have passed from death to life? Whoa. Because we love the brethren. Not because you can quote the entirety of Romans. (laughs) Not because you can pray for 32 hours on your knees. Not because you're at the church every waking hour of the day. We know you are a child of God if you love brethren he who does not love his brother what does that say man abides in death what does that mean you're in union with death it's not jesus you're in union with death whoever hates his brother is a murderer and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him listen i'm not spending too much time in this because that's that's hard is it not that's hard to read Looking at the modern church, that's hard to read. That, that hurts my feelings, but let, let's move on. 1 John cha- uh, chapter 3, 16 through 23. They're different sections, so I split them up. Once again, that's 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 23. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. Can I tell you that's the only way you'll ever come to the realization of agape love? a love that's so unconditional, a love that's so radical that no matter what someone does to you, you still have goodwill and charity towards them. I'm not saying you treat them like your mother or your father, but no matter what they did to you, your heart is still praying good upon them. Your mind is still thinking good upon them. That is that agape love. We can only come to the realization if we understand that he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. What? That's crazy, man, because I've seen people who disagreed on politics and completely blocked people on social media, completely kicked them out of their lives. But it says we are to lay our life down for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods, y'all, this, listen, Christians, we got to hear this, verse 17, but whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? Do you know what the book of James says? <laughs> the book of James says if, if you see a brother or sister in Christ in need, like genuinely they need a coat or they need food, and you go up to them and say, oh, God, I bless this person, and you prayed for them, but you had the ability to buy them a coat or a cheeseburger, he says what you did was pointless. It was worthless. Why pray when you have the means to supply? Whoa, hold up, Christians. Some of us have a lot to supply, but we want to be all super spiritual about things. God has blessed us with extra income, with extra finances. Oh, God, I'll just pray about giving to that. Oh, God, I'll just pray. Right, we want to be hyper spiritual all the time. When God's saying, no, if you have the ability to to supply, stop praying and just supply. We're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Last time I checked, when Jesus saw someone in need He did what had to be done to supply. Verse 18, my little children, let us not love. Y'all, I love this. I love this. I love this. "Let Let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. How easy is it to say, I love you. I'm praying for you, but to not feel any compassion in your heart for that person. It's so easy to say, hey, I'll be praying for you and turn around and never pray for that person. Can I tell you one of the most hateful things you can do in your heart is to tell someone you'll be praying for them but to never give it a second thought. Oh, Lord, I hear Christians, oh, bless their heart. I'll pray for her and you never do. That's a slap in the face to Jesus. Hmm. Verse 19 and by this, we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. How do we know we are of the truth? We live in love. You want to know if you're living in the truth? Examine your heart how you love people. Next time that person at work or that family member hurts you, examine yourself. Are you living in truth? Your reactions are going to show that. Verse 20. For if our heart condemns us, I love this so much, listen, listen, because this is truth over feelings. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our hearts and knows all things. So what is that saying? When, when your soul is pulling you towards condemnation and your heart is telling you, hey, remember what you did? Hey, remember what you did two days ago? Hey, remember remember that? Because now you're not worthy. Now you're not good enough. What does it say? God is greater than your heart and knows all things. So what's it saying? If God says there's no condemnation, what does that mean? There's no condemnation. Who's greater, your heart or God? So when your heart, a.k.a. your mind, is telling you you're condemned, but God is telling you you're not, you have to decide who you're going to listen to. Verse 21, beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. Is that not true? When you don't feel, con- when you don't feel condemnation in your heart, you're usually a lot more bold in your prayers Because, I mean, first off, we think we can earn it, which isn't true. But we have that confidence in our heart, right, that there's no condemnation. God will hear our prayers. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Some of y'all need to circle verse 22 and listen to that. And whatever we ask, we receive from him. Not, God, I want a new house or, God, I want a new car. What's he saying? If we are genuinely asking for things for this church, God, let let us truly impact people's lives. Let us truly see people come to serve you and love you. What's it saying? He's going to answer that prayer. Because whose heart is that? That's his heart. We're praying according to his desires, his will. And when we're in union, that comes natural. Verse 23, and this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. Do y'all hear how simple he just made Christianity? How hard and complex did we make Christianity? How hard? Real hard. We make it real complex. Look how simple he said this is. And this is his commandment. Whose commandment? Jesus' commandment. Read it. Read it out loud, the the highlighted. That we should believe on the name of his son and love love one another. Wow. Wow. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 through 11. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love, what does that say? Does not know God, for God is love. Verse 9, in this the love of God was manifested toward us, That God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live. What does that word say? Through him. him. It's not you. You're not trying to live this Christian life. You're living it through who? Jesus. Y'all, if if one of y'all gets that revelation, it's going to make life a lot easier on you. It's going to make this Christian life a lot easier on you. Verse 10. In this is love. Not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Let me put this example before you. If you had committed a, a crime, a crime, and you were on death row knowing very well you had committed said crime, you knew you were completely guilty of the punishment But when you're going to the chair to be put down, and that judge says no, go free, how much would you love that judge? How much would you love that judge? If you knew you were guilty, if you knew you deserved it, if you knew it was all coming upon you because of what your own actions brought to you, and that judge looks at you and says you've been forgiven, you're released, you're acquitted, go, be free, you cannot be tried for this again. How much would you love that judge? How much would you love him? He gave you your life. What does that say? And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. What does that mean? He paid the price for our sins. So what will our response be to the gift? What will our response be to the gift? Listen, our first point for the day. Love proves whether we live by the Spirit or the flesh. Listen, point one. The love proves whether we live by the Spirit or the flesh. Did you notice I didn't say love tells you if you have the Spirit or not? Can can I tell you how crazy the grace and mercy and love of God is? If you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and not for one day you live by His Spirit, you're still saved. Scripture is clear. For those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The craziness about the grace and mercy of God is you can accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and never one day live by His Spirit and you're still saved and you still have His Spirit. Romans tells us that the Holy Spirit is the seal upon our lives. Doesn't mean you have to live by them. But if we live by love, it is proof if we live by the Spirit. Why? Because the Spirit will always tell you to love, the flesh will always tell you to do what feels good. Can I tell you a lot of days, it'd feel much better to clap back at somebody who clapped at me, it would feel much better to attack someone who attacked me. But the Spirit inside of me tells me, no, son, no, son. The Spirit, whether we live by the Spirit, is proven by the way we love people. And listen, there there, there are two two key questions. Can we love people who believe the complete opposite of us? Christians, in, in this modern day of division, can we love those who believe the complete opposite? Theology and politics and family. Can we love those who believe the complete opposite of us? Can we love people who hate, curse, abuse, and persecute us? Well, she used me. Well, he used me. I understand. I've been used too. I've been hurt too. I have scars too. Saints, I got them too. But who are we living by? Who's superior, the spirit or the flesh? The spirit will always tell you to love. The flesh will always tell you to do what makes you feel good. But what I say about feelings, feelings are fickle. They come and go like the wind. They don't stand forever. And usually, if you act on your feelings, you're bound to really, really, really mess something up. But if you're led by the Spirit, did you know it's impossible to fail when you're led when you live by the Spirit? God can't fail. And when you live by His very Spirit, you can't fail. First John chapter 4, verse 12 through 16. No one has seen God in any time, right? No one has seen Yahweh, not even in the book of Revelation when John's in the throne room. You can't see God. His glory is too radiant. If we love one another, what does that say? God abides. What does that mean? That means we have union. Union, abiding. Listen, does, does the branch have a personal relationship with the vine? No. The branch has union with the vine. They're connected. The branch can do nothing without... Divine. It's union. Verse 13 By this we know that we abide in him, and he in us, because he has given us his what? His spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, what does that say? And he in God and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. You know, for for years I've been reading the New Testament through, but isn't it crazy how when when your heart becomes tender to the Word, and you sit and read, not, not just to learn, not for grade, but you read for change, how it hits you so much deeper. How much more obvious could this be for us, saints? How much obvious could this be for us? 1 John chapter 4, verses 17 through 21. Love has been perfected among... Y'all, did you see that word perfected? I love when God says something can be perfected in us. Why? Because it's no longer you who lives, but Christ who lives in us. You're telling me I can have the perfect love of God in me? Y'all, Christians... For too long, we have copped out and said, "Oh, in the great by and by, I'll be like Jesus." No, now you're like Jesus. If you believe His word and believe His promises, you are like Jesus in the year 2021 in America. Do you know what I ask myself every day? Jesus, how would you live, move and walk in the year 2021 in America? Why? Because I' want to look like Jesus. In my culture, in my day and age, I'm going to look like Jesus. Hmm. It says perfected. It doesn't say have, have 10% to love God. It says the love of God has been perfected in you. We love him because he first loved us. You understand our love. You understand he initiated our love. Our love is just reciprocated. If someone says, I love, oh, y'all, live, oh, Lord. Verse 20 is about to hurt somebody in this room. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a what? For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? Do y'all remember when, which one day we're going to get back to the Sermon on the Mount? I know I kind of took a hiatus from that. Do y'all remember when, when we dealt with the way we talk about people and how Jesus said, if you slander a person's name, you're the same as a murderer? Do you know how many Christians have become slanderers of names during the last election? whoo. Did y'all know, y'all, I had someone comment on our Facebook live and said, oh, this pastor's shameless. He talks about politics. Because I said, we are to pray for Biden. Oh, he said, Trump is 10 times worse than Biden. I said, I didn't say nothing about Trump. Trump's not the president. No, not. I said, pray for your president. That makes me shameless. Well, sorry, I'm a Christian. I don't know, man. But Bi- Bible tells me to pray for the officials. I don't know. I'm just following Jesus, man. It doesn't make any sense to me. How can he love God whom he has not seen? Verse 21. Y'all all read this with me. And this commandment we have from him that he who loves God, how much more simple could Christianity be made for us? <laughs> love God, love people. But then we want to add a billion things onto it, man. Oh my goodness. All oh, right, y'all, this, this passage has been hitting me so different, so different recently. Can I tell you, we could be operating in all 20 of the spiritual gifts. We could be operating in all the spiritual gifts. We could have the best praise and worship. We could have the best preaching in the world. But if we have not love, it's meaningless. It's profitless. It achieves Nothing. Verse one, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love. I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. So what's that saying? You're just making noise. It's not achieving anything. And though I have the gift of prophecy, y'all, and this is gonna mess some people up because a lot of people in the church think that it's all head knowledge. And though I have the gift of prophecy, And understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And though I have all faith, y'all listen, so I can move mountains. If there were someone come up in the modern church and said, hey, mountain move, and it moved, we would probably worship that person more than we worship Jesus. I'm just saying, because we worship ability more than the Savior. I'm not going to get into that. Mm. But have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor... And though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. And Christians, can I tell you, Paul made it real easy for us to know if we're loving or not. Uh, Verses 4 through 7 is literally a way for you to measure your love. It's, it's, It's a list. It's categories for you to see. Lord, how? Because this is agape love he's talking about here. How does the love in my heart compare to the love in scripture? Well, let's find out. What is love? What does love do? Love, right? Because this, this is the uh this is the wedding ceremony scripture, right? We love to read this at wedding ceremonies. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy, love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Verse 8. Love never what? Fails. It can't fail. It's from the Father. But whether there are prophecies, what does that say? We saw a lot of prophecies fail in the past year, I'm just saying. And you know what they all did? They fell to the ground. Whether there are tongues, what will happen? Whether there is knowledge, what will happen? For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, correct? We've not been fully perfected. We're not with him yet. But when that which is perfect has come, who's that? The Father, everything is renewed, restored, perfected. Then that which is in part will be done away with. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man in the faith, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. So what is Paul saying? Paul saying, when I was an infant in my faith, I just saw the outside appearance. I saw saw the beauty of gifts. I saw the beauty of what can be done through abilities and talents. But what did he say? But when I became a man, when I became mature in Christ Jesus, I put away childish things. His understanding grew. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. It will all be revealed. And now listen, read, read that. Read verse 13 for me out loud. Read. Do you want to know why? Because love never ends. When we're united with our Lord and Savior, what do you think is going to be happening 24-7? It's love. Communion and true union, complete union with the Father. You understand, when we're with him, we won't need prophecy anymore. We won't need to speak in tongues anymore. We won't need the knowledge of the world anymore. It's love that remains forever. That's why I love, before he leads into this chapter, he gets done talking about all these spiritual gifts in chapter 12. And he's, he says, but now I will show you a more excellent way. What's the more excellent way? Love. Point number two. Without love, if this is simple. Without love, it is all meaningless and profitless. We are not just here to do church services. We are here to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We're not just here to have bang and worship. We're not just here to have a cool sermon. We're not just here to hang out with family and friends. We are here to be the hands and feet of Jesus who love people.
2: Hmm.
4: Romans 13, 8 through 10. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. I don't know how much more clear this could be today. Like we've been talking about, we've been trying to fulfill this own law we've put on ourselves for so long. While God is saying, if you love me, love me, not strive, not work, not work, not work. If you genuinely love me and you seek deeper revelation and knowledge and awareness of my nearness, and if you then reflect that love that's being poured out on you unto other people, you are free from it all. And in essence, you've already completed, fulfilled the law. There's there's no bondage. There are no chains holding you down, telling you you have to follow these religious rules or these these things put in place. Love God and love people. Will y'all stand up and actually read these verses with me? Because I I feel like in this room, someone needs this today to be reminded of the love of a heavenly father. So stand up and we're going to read. Oh yeah, all eight verses. Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. Starting in verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, Who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or scorn? As it is written, for your sake we are all killed all day long, we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, not height, nor depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us. From the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Hallelujah. Somebody clap that up. Oh, my goodness. Y'all can be seated. Some of y'all needed that today. Some of y'all needed to be reminded that no matter what happens in this world, nothing can take you from the love of the Father. let's, Let's look at this real quick. First off, who can be against us? Did you know in the kingdom of God there are no enemies? Oh what? Y'all, not even the devil is his enemy. Did you know he said, your adversary, the devil? Why? Because nothing matches God. Do you understand that if God right now in this moment wanted to, he could flick Satan's little rump right into hell. God has no enemies. We're in his kingdom. He lives in a kingdom. Well, the Muslims. Well, the Jehovah's Witness. No! You cannot name one person Jesus did not die for. God has no enemies. So who can stand against us? Who should we even acknowledge as an enemy? No one. We do not battle against flesh and blood. He has no enemies. Hmm. He who did not spare his son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Y'all, Miss Melody brought, brought a bomb lesson on Wednesday night. And she said, as you believe, so you are. What are we believing about the word? Are we believing he will give us all things? I'm not talking about wealth. I'm not talking about riches. Mm. <laughs> it is God. Listen, who, who can bring a charge against us? Who, who can come to God and bring a charge against you? It's God who's justified you. But how many times do we love pointing out sins to God that other people did? And God's looking at us and saying, hey, I already justified them. Hmm. Who is he who condemns? It's not Jesus. It is Christ who died and furthermore is also written. Listen, I love this so much. Who is even at the right hand of God. Listen, let let me read this in the Passion Translation. Because y'all, the way it words this, the way, y'all, right? I want y'all to go back and read this. It's the Passion Translation. You can get it on your cell phone. It's I, I supplement it with my new King James because sometimes it just it, it pops it a little bit. Where were we at? Was that verse 34? Yeah, verse 34. Here we go. If I'm in oh, I'm in the wrong chapter, never mind. Verse 34. doo doo, doo. Here we go. Who then is left to condemn us? Certainly not Jesus, the anointed one, for he gave his life for us, and even more, even more than that. He has conquered death and is now risen, exalted and enthroned by God at his right hand. Listen. So how how could sorry, so how could be possibly condemn us since he is continually praying for our triumph? Who continually praying for my triumph. You're telling me my savior isn't just sitting up there doing nothing. He's talking to the Father on my behalf. How could we fail? How could we fail when the Savior of the universe is talking to God right now about you? Yeah. Interceding, praying for your triumph. A lot of y'all are going through some hard stuff right now, but guess what Jesus is doing right now? He's talking to the Father about you. Yeah. Tony, he sees you. Who, Cheyenne, he sees you. And you know what he's doing? Father, I see it. I know what it's like to be human. I know the hurt, I know the pain. I know the scars. Look, I got them too. I know what it's like. Father, pour out your grace. Pour out your mercy. He's praying for our triumph right now in this moment. Oh, Lord. Mm, Nothing shall separate us from the Father. Yet in all things, yet in all things, we are more. Yo, we're not just conquerors. We're more than conquerors. We don't just conquer, we demolish. We tear down strongholds of the enemy. We don't just conquer it. We destroy it. Verse 39. Shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Who has ever felt separated from God? Did you hear the key word, though? You felt separated from God. The word of God tells us that nothing, nothing could separate you from the love of your father. Daughters, sons of God, some, one of, y'all, some of y'all need to cling to that today. Nothing can take you from the love of the father. 2
2: hmm.
4: Corinthians chapter 5 verses 14 through 21. This scripture has also jumped out at me this week. I didn't plan on using this till the other day and I was just like, man, I got... This, this, this is going to be our third point. Huh. What, what, is verse, what does the first part of verse 14 say? For the love of Christ. That doesn't say to strive for Christ. I feel like I have to do this for Christ. He's saying the love, what does it mean to compel? A passionate desire pulls you. Listen, for the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Can I ask you this? What did Paul do when he only knew Jesus by the flesh? He persecuted his church. You know, Paul is writing this. When Paul only knew Christ by the flesh, he persecuted Christ because he only knew Christ by a flesh, not by his spirit. Because what? He thought, Paul genuinely thought he was serving God. Do we understand that? Paul's love was just misguided by tradition. Oh, snap. Y'all about to get me preaching on this. Paul's love was misguided by tradition, not truth. Some of y'all need to hear that today. His love was misguided by tradition, what your Grammy and what your poppy taught you, not truth. Did you know what Paul says? I was zealous for the faith of who? My fathers. He followed tradition, not the truth. So what does he say here? He says, and he who died for all, he's talking about Jesus, right? He died for all people that they could be saved. Verse 16, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Could you imagine if you stop seeing people for what they are, what they could be? When you see someone in the flesh, you see them as their sin. You see them how they hurt you. You see them how they mistreated you. You see their flaws and their faults. But Paul says, now I see no one in the flesh. I see the spirit inside of them that Christ died for. Could you imagine if we stopped looking at people according to their faults and their failings and we looked at them as someone who Jesus died for? Oh, y'all, he said, I see no one in the flesh. And we, you know how we know Paul meant it? When he was in jail, when he was beaten and stoned, he prayed, Father, forgive them. This man is being beaten, abused. Y'all, he was stoned twice, jailed multiple times. And this is the same man riding from prison saying, I see no one in the flesh. Oh, my Yet now we know him thus no longer. Can I tell you for a long time, I loved Jesus, but I love him differently now. I loved him as a friend and as a brother, but now I love him in union with him. And thus I see him in the flesh no longer. There's freedom, listen, when we see Jesus as he is. Therefore, if anyone is what? In Christ. He is a new creation. Oh, some of y'all need to grab this truth today. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Well, pastor, I don't feel very new. You are new. It It ain't about feelings. If it was about feelings, I would not be the pastor of this church right now. My feelings almost took me elsewhere. Lord, help us. All things have become new. Some of y'all need to look at your life and tell those old things, all things have become new. Those scars, that bondage, that condemnation you've been dealing with for years. Some of you have been been saved for 20 years, but you've been holding on to the same condemnation for 20 years. All things have become new. When are we going to believe the Bible and live it? What you believe is what you live. I see a lot of Christians tell me they believe in Jesus, but their lives look the opposite. What you believe, not what you know, what you believe is how you live. I'm living as a new man. A month ago, this revelation began in my heart, and I'm living as a new man. I was then I was a month ago. But you know what's crazy? He had already made me a new man. I just had to step into it. The work is completed. What did he say on the cross? It's finished. He didn't say, okay, I started it. Now, Josiah, I expect you to finish it. Yeah. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of what is that word? Reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation the ministry of reconciliation now belongs to us can i tell you jesus is not getting off his throne until he comes to condemn the world he came first to save the world did you know right now he's not even condemning people we condemn ourselves when we don't believe hear me now jesus is not condemning anyone not even now Scripture tells us we're condemned when we don't believe that he's the son of God and died for our sins. He's, y'all, do you know who he expects? Do you know who he expects to carry on this ministry right now? Us. Could you imagine? Max Lucado wrote in his book, Just Like Jesus. He says, I have so many young people telling me, Max, I want to be sent to the ends of the world. I'll go. But he says, Really? Because last time I checked, you don't share the gospel with your family. You don't share the gospel with your friends and your co-workers. Do you know what your world is? Your family. who Your place of employment. Your friends. The school you drop your kids off at. That's your world. Could you imagine if we walked like Jesus in our own worlds? Yo, last night, me, me and Miss Serena went to the Maverick City worship session at the Colonial Life Arena, and boy, them people can't worship. Can't, woo-hoo, Lord Jesus. I pray we have that same spirit here, building that culture here of freedom. But there were like 6,000 Christians in there. And I leaned over to Serena. I said, could you imagine if all 6,000 of us walked as Jesus, the entirety of South Carolina would be saved by the gospel. If we all walk, listen, can I, can I tell you something crazy? No one ever met Jesus that was not drawn to Jesus. Listen, the Pharisees and Sadducees were even drawn to Jesus. Everywhere you read Jesus was, they were. And it awakened something inside of them that scared them. That's why you see over and over again in the Gospels, it says, and the Pharisees were torn over him. No one can see Jesus and not be drawn towards him. So what does that tell me about the American church? We have not looked like Jesus. You cannot behold the face of the Messiah and not be drawn to him. Where does the Messiah live now? Boy, if we get this revelation in our hearts, man, we're going to radically change South Carolina. Now, then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. Do you hear that? We are the ambassadors. We are sent from the kingdom of God to share the gospel. And who is speaking through us? God. You can't tell me you don't speak well enough. You you can't tell me you have a stuttering problem. You can't tell me you don't know enough about the Bible. Because when you go to share the gospel, who is speaking through you? We implore you on Christ's behalf. Listen how he says that. Y'all, he's talking to unbelievers. He's saying, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. The price has been paid. Accept the gift. For he made him, oh, I love this verse. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Y'all read that last part. You're telling me we are the righteousness of God? how many of us walk down with our heads down oh god I'm a sinner one day I'll be a saint no if Christ died for you and you accepted his gift if you've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb you are the righteousness of God now start living like it oh my gosh what you call yourself is how you're gonna live how you identify yourself is how you're gonna live that's why we have an identity crisis in America You give yourself a million different identities. You don't know who you are. Oh, Lord Jesus. Hmm. Third point. We have, oh, I love this so much. Such an honor. We have been entrusted with the ministry of reconciliation. What, What an honor that is. Listen, you may see yourself as unworthy. You may see yourself as unfit. But the Father and the Son are looking at you and saying, "Jody, I want you to carry the gospel to your friends." But God, I'm unworthy. No, Jody, I love you. Oh, Bethany, in your own private, own business, I want you to show Jesus to everyone you interact with. But, but I don't. Oh, I'm not good enough. Yes, you are. Come oh on, Jesus. Hmm. Show and share the gospel. Show and share the gospel. Well, what does the gospel look like? It looks like freedom and a peace that surpasses all understanding and a joy that radiates from your face to show the love of Jesus. You don't even have to say a word sometimes. So you show it through how you live, but then when they ask, you share it. And what's the simple gospel? Jesus came and died for your sins, so now you can be called a son and daughter of the, oh, Jesus, of the highest, utmost, most beautiful, loving Father. And then, well, then what do I do next? You walk as a child. You you walk as a child. Well, where do I start? You love him. You focus on him. Y'all, can I tell you, my prayers look radically different than they did a month ago. My prayers are just conversations with him now. Why? Because he's in me. I'm not praying to some distant God. Oh God, be with me. Oh, he's already with me. And I'm not going to beg him to come into this church because he's already in here. There's like 75 people in here. Um, he's definitely here. Where does he live? In you? In you, Colt? In you, Miss Valerie? Who? In you, Melissa? In you, Miss Donna? He lives there. So what does that mean? Wherever you go, heaven goes. Whew. Wherever you walk, the church is. Oh, no. oh, Lord. In your workplace, you can bring the church there. In your dysfunctional, dis- disorderly household, you can bring the church there. Who's the church? We're the church. Wherever a member of the Trinity is, that is where heaven is. Would we live in union with him, guess what? The world may look like hell, but we're living heaven on earth. Mm. Let, let's do some application. I know, I know we love our application. It's Pastor Josiah, how, how do I live this out? Be intentional to do all things in love. I have the scriptures up there. What does that look like? That That's like the next time your, your superior asks you to do something you don't even agree with, implementing a new program or system in the workplace you don't agree with at all, you don't fight them on it, you say, absolutely, I'd love to. And wait and look at, look at their faces. See what they do when you respond that way. Y'all, listen, pouring a cup of coffee for a coworker could be an act of love. It has to do with the heart, not the action. It's the heart. 1 First, First Corinthians 16, 14. Let all that you do be done in what? Be done with what? Love. It's as simple as that, man. Mm. Speak the truth in love. Can I tell you, once I got saved, I definitely spoke the truth, but can I tell you, it was not coded in love. Can I tell you, you can speak the truth and really hurt people. What does it say Jesus came in? Jesus came in grace and in truth. Why? Because the truth that people needed, he knew they could only swallow the pill if it was coated in a sweet wrapping. So we may have a lot, a lot of truth to, to tell people, but people don't care what you know until you show them that you care. Wrap your truth in love. And I'm learning slowly but surely. I started off as a Peter, the gung-ho, let's fight, let's do it for Jesus. But I'm slowly becoming a John. And that scares me. (laughs) And that scares me you this, this is so important because when I first got saved, I, God, I put it on the face. Do not fake a smile or attitude of love and then turn around and play the hypocrite. What do I mean by that? When you know there's a loved one or a friend who's going through a hard time, don't look at them and say, I'm so sorry. Oh, my gosh. Turn around and not actually care, not have any emotions in your heart. I, I used to go out of my way to like give, give, give food to the poor to make my friends think I was like hyper-spiritual, but there was no love in my heart. What, what does it mean to play the hypocrite? In America, we've turned that into a horrible term. But I told you when Jesus said that in that day and age, a, a hypocrite was a thespian. It was an actor. You put on different masks for different roles. Don't play the hypocrite. You, you may not mean any, any harm by what you're saying, but don't tell people you love. Don't tell people you care if you don't. And you, you, know, you know what's crazy about this? You can ask the Holy Spirit to birth genuine love for all people inside your heart. Did you know you can ask him to give you more love in your heart for others? Romans 12:9, let love be without hypocrisy. Other versions say, let, let your love be genuine. Bear the burdens of others and help, help them through hard times. People are hurting. Y'all, we are in a hurting world and it continues to get more, more hurt and more scarred and more hurt and more scarred. Listen, if you know you have a friend or a loved one or a coworker that is going through a really hard time, bear that burden. Check in on them r- routinely. Ask them how they're doing. Give them space. You don't want to be overbearing, but bear that burden with them. Let them know they're not going through that by themselves. Hey, John, I love you. And what you're going through, brother, I pray for you every single day. I love you, man. You're not in this by yourself. I hope you know that. I know you're going through a scary time. But you're not bearing this by yourself. Do you see everyone in here? That's your family, brother. We're bearing it with you. You're not by yourself. That's, that, that is true. We have people in this church, y'all. We have hurting people in this church. We are family. We bear the burdens of each other. Ephesians 4.2. Bearing with one another, what is that? In love. It's not fake. It's not hypocrisy. It's genuine. This is so important. Practice forgiveness and compassion as love covers a multitude of sins. Can I tell you, you have to practice forgiveness. You you have to practice forgiveness and compassion. You have to intentionally act these things out. 1 Peter 4, 8. And above all things have, what is that word, fervent? What does that mean? Passionate love, for one of, y'all, this is Peter. I, I have a feeling Paul became more like John at the end of his life because his writings weren't so much, blah, 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 but they were love. Y'all, this is Peter writing this. Look at him. And above, y'all, Peter is saying this. Gives me hope for myself. I'm just saying. <laughs> and above all things have a fervent love. Y'all, Peter says above all things have passionate love for each other. Mm. Y'all, and can I tell you that love truly does cover a multitude of sins? So those people who really hurt you, can you imagine? Because a lot of people, they'll hurt you and run from you because they think you hate them. We got a family member like that. We we have a family member like that. He thinks that he's hurt us too deep that he can't come back to the family. Can I tell you, if you go to that person and you openly, hey, I forgive you. Hey man, I see you where you are. I don't hold it against you. Can you, ima- can you imagine how radically transforming that'll be for that person's heart to know they're forgiven? Y'all, if we're not showing the forgiveness of Christ, Mom, what's that verse you always made me remember as a kid? Ephesians four, is it four <laughs> thirty-two? What? Be kind one to another. What is the rest of it? Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just even as Christ, even as Christ has forgiven you. My mom used to make me repeat that because I was a bad kid. I'm just saying. But listen. Mm. <laughs> Look, she, you know, she has the love of God in her. She said, you weren't bad. You just did bad things. Okay, mom. Thanks, mom. But if, if we're not showing the love of Christ, how are they ever going to see it? You, I know this is an old saying. You may be the only Jesus anyone ever sees, but we say it, but we don't live it. You genuinely may be the only Jesus that anyone ever sees. Praise God. Ending with this. Auntie, will y'all will y'all sing, um, this is how I fought my battles one more time, ending with this. Listen, because I need us to get this. I need us to get this. You may be able to speak in tongues. You may sing beautifully. You may be one of the best preachers on the earth, but listen, but do you love people? Listen, can you say you're sorry? Oh, praise the Lord, we're dancing. Can you forgive? Can you stop talking and Listen. Can you submit? Y'all, all all this flows together. We may have all the spiritual gifts in the world, but if we do not love one another, if we do not love one another, y'all, let's worship. Let's finish out on on a high note and let's go out and let's love people better. Let's love people like Jesus and let's fight our battles. I know some of y'all are going through stuff. This is where we fight. Y'all don't look like y'all are fighting this is the most melancholy i may have ever seen y'all are we fighting or are we rolling over are we fighting or are we rolling over is this a pentecostal church or a baptist church i'm just saying fight your battles some of y'all are going through stuff hey y'all energy Let, let's do something here i'm not here to play i'm here to fight let's go come on
5: How awesome is our God today? I said, how awesome is our God today? How awesome is your God today? (laughs) This man loves you so much, and all he wants us to do is to be like him. That's all he wants us to do is to be like him, to walk like him. I don't know who needs to hear this, but it's been weighing on my heart so heavy today. But I said, I don't know if you know who you serve But your God is an awesome God. He loves you so much. He died on the cross for you. He created you. He spoke you into existence. While you were in your mother's womb, He spoke you for a purpose, for a plan, because He knew what you were going to do for His kingdom. He knew who you were going to be. He knew what you were going to become. He knew who you would speak to become. He knew when you walk, you would see the presence of Jesus Christ flowing through you. So I don't care what you've been through. I don't care what you, what your past may behold, but I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ is inside of you. And he is your king. He is the king of kings. He's the Lord of Lords. And I'm here to tell you, he loves you. He loves you so very much. He loves you so very much. And I'm telling you what that message today, Pastor, When you said that he intercedes for us by the Father, good God Almighty, to know that Jesus Christ is sitting there talking to God about me. I know that when my dad was living, all he had to say was, that's my boy. And my mom could love me and hug me, but there's something about what my dad said, that's my boy. Man, oh man. That makes me want to jump and shout. And I think about it, and that was 25 years ago. And I still can hear him saying, that's my son. Well, I'm here to tell you Jesus Christ is sitting beside the Father right now saying, see, that's my boy right there. That's my boy. Michael, that's my boy right there. That's my boy. That's my son. And I see what he's going through, but I'm here for him. Your father is sitting there interceding about you. Your daddy. There's nothing like a daddy. Mamas can love you. They can hug you. They can kiss you. They can give you the best food and the best potato salad you ever had. But I'm here to tell you what. When daddy speaks and daddy just puts his arm around you and pulls you in, there's something about it. There's something about that love. Let's go out of here today and share that love with everyone else. Let them see the love of the Father. That Jesus doesn't live up here, but he lives in me. He's inside of me. He's inside of you. Father God, I just want to thank you for who you are. God, thank you for going to the cross for us and dying so that we may be free. Now, Father, I pray and ask a day that as we walk out of here today, Father God, let us walk with the love of the Father. Let your glory, let your presence, let your voice radiate through us. Father, every step that we take, Father God, let people see Jesus' love in us. Let them hear Jesus' love in us. Let them feel the love of the Father through us. Now, God, I pray and ask you to bless this congregation indeed that you will enlarge our territories, that you will keep your hedge of protection about us, that you will keep us from evil, that it harm us not. And, Father, with everything we do, let us give you glory, praise, and honor. And the
4: church said, amen. We love you guys. Pastor Betty, do you have food? There's food over in the activity center. Go receive that.